You are listening to a message from Parkway Church in Corona. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you as you listen. If you'd like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, parkway-church.com. Today I want to talk about the church as the body of Christ. Um, church, we talk about church as a family. We talk about church as an army sometimes. We talk about church as a team. Uh, there's many metaphors that we can use. But Paul the Apostle is the first one to ever talk about the people who gather together. And that's what church means. It means a convening together of people for a purpose. It's a secular word in the time of Jesus, and Jesus gave it religious meaning, if I can say it that way, spiritual meaning, even though it was a secular word. And he said, I will build my church. There will be upon people, or upon this rock. He was talking to Peter and said, people who, who uh, have a revelation like you, Peter, who confess me to be Lord, I'm going to gather them together, and they will be a gathering like the world has never seen. And they will not just be a town hall meeting, which is what the word church meant in those days. They will be my legislature on earth. They will be heaven's representatives on earth. And their prayers and their decisions and the way they live will shape history. Isn't that amazing? So, oh, you're just so excited this morning. I guess I shouldn't talk about how many shopping days there are left. Some guys are worried. So I just want to ask your forgiveness ahead of time, okay? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a really corny story, okay? Now, if you're under 20, do you know what the word corny means? Okay. All right. It's supposed to be funny, but doesn't quite make it or something like that. So I got this little corny story, but it fits my message and uh, as... The church as a body. So when Paul talks about, and we're going to stay in Ephesians. There's also 1 Corinthians 12, which is the typical one we go to. If there's time, we'll read it before communion. But the idea of a body <clears throat> is the most close-knit, the most uncomfortably close relationship you can have. It's one thing to be family. A family can be distant or close. It's one thing to be a team. You can be on the bench or you can be on the playing field or on the ice. But to be part of a body means where they go, I have to go. You know, right? You, ha- you, ha- you have to be in the same place. Like December 16th, uh, I have to be in North Carolina to see my family. So it's like, well, okay. I'll leave my head here so I can preach. And then the rest of me will drive to North Carolina. Like, you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. Although my wife and my mother have often said, I think you left your head at home today. But that's different. Um, But you have to be together. And it can be awkwardly close. And we take for granted with this metaphor what Paul's trying to say. So before we read it, I want to I tell you a little corny story here. Imagine if your body couldn't get along with itself, what it would be like. Imagine if every part had its own will and its own desires, what would it be like? So I'm thinking like, hey, stomach, says Terry, 
do you mind if I have one more piece of pie? And the stomach says, you already sent me two. Yeah, I know, but it's just so good. And the stomach says, I'm not sure that's such a good idea. And I say, oh, come on, you can do it. There's room. And so the stomach says, okay, just make sure you get legs to run an extra two kilometers tomorrow, okay? Sure, no problem. Next day, legs, you didn't tell me you were going to try to run today. I'm not ready for this. Uh, me, just, just this once, legs, I didn't even stretch. Okay, whatever you say. Heart chimes in. What? You think you got it bad. You guys were resting all last night. I was working. In fact, I'm the only one doing all the work around here. Every night, you all take a break. And what about me? I'm pumping all night long. And the lungs, just a minute there. What do you think we were doing last night? You're not the only one working all night. Heart, oh yeah, but I work harder. Liver, really? In my opinion, says the liver, you're a bit careless. In fact, I have to filter everything you do. Me, would you stop arguing and just do what I say? Let's run. Legs, I'm starting to cramp up. Lungs, would you please send more oxygen down here? Lungs, I'm working as hard as I can. We don't do this normally. It's not my fault. It's the heart's fault. Don't worry, this ends. Heart, all night I work while you sleep, and this is the thanks I get. Okay, I'm pumping as fast as I dare, but these lousy veins and arteries, they just won't carry what they used to. Artery, it's not my fault. It's the stomach's fault. All that extra food keeps clogging my paths. I'm, I'm doing what I can. Stomach, hey, I'm just giving the rest of you all these wonderful calories. You're supposed to use them. Intestines, really? You get all the fresh food. I get the leftovers. Okay, there we go. I told you it was corny. Might not even be corny. The body, obviously, it all has to serve each other. Everybody thinks, I'm the one doing the work. I'm, I'm having to do this. Nobody else doing what I'm doing. Yeah, but somebody else doing what they do so that you can do what you do. Now, this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And some people might want to call it a prophetic word or a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom you can choose during the service. But if, if worship team hadn't been here before 9 o'clock preparing... If Michelle and the team hadn't been praying, if the people that were in the prayer room weren't praying, the body wouldn't have been working like it was in the service. Some are providing the air of prayer as we breathe. Uh, Jesus is pumping his blood through it. Others are, are providing the nourishment. Others are doing the leg work. Make sure that place is clean and whatever, and then the body assembles. And Jesus becomes visible. When the body gathers together, Jesus becomes visible. Isn't that beautiful? And it's about time we realize that just showing up matters on Sunday. Now, just another disclaimer here on the front of this. I'm not mad at anybody, but it's going to be a strong message, okay? So if I forget to smile on some points, it's okay. All right. The power that we want is only available when the body assembles. So let's read our opening scripture. Ephesians chapter 1, 
verses 15 to 22. I think it'll be up on the screen there if you don't have a Bible. I'm reading from the NIV, the nearly inspired version, and uh, you can choose what version you have. Okay, you can use the one Paul the Apostle used. I think that was KJV. You can just use whatever you want, okay? For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. Hang out there for a minute. Incomparably great power for those of us who believe. Can you say those words with me? Let's go. Incomparably great power for us who believe. One more time. Incomparably great power for us who believe. You know, one of the things I do when I try to memorize scripture is I did this last week in front of you. Is I'll take a phrase like that and then I'll do it as many times as there are words and I'll emphasize a different word each time. And it really lives. Incomparably great power for us who believe. 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 Isn't that good? Just... Try doing that. It's, it's, like a, it's like a Bible study. You know, it's like a 30-second Bible study. Just to, to, to mull it over, chew it over, just to, to make sure we don't let some of that goodness just pass through without, without taking it in. The incomparably great power. I'll keep going. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at this right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Now, here's our scripture for the day, and I want you to leave this up here until I ask for the next, if you don't mind, please. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. So first of all, through the incomparably great power, when Jesus was suffering a form of death for you and me, God raised him from the dead. Okay, there's life there. But where did Jesus' body go after that? Who's, who's, who's a good theological? John Skinner, where did his body go after 40 days of walking around here? As a, yeah, where did his body go? Jesus' body, he was raised in a body. Where did that body go? No, Jesus' body. He, he rose from the grave. After that, where'd it go? To heaven. Yeah, exactly. But now we're his body. You see? He had a resurrected body, but now you're the body on earth to do the same things that Jesus did when his body was on earth. And so this is more than just yay team. This is more than just I like this church, I like that church, I'll go here, I'll do this, I'll do that. It's you are actually to be set in place where, like it or not, you have to function and supply the needs 
of the other parts of the body. That's Ephesians chapter 4. It says we're built up by that which every joint supplies. All the parts of the body. Think of this for a moment. Anybody here had a dislocated shoulder or knee or digit or something? Okay. How was that, Mitch? How was it, uh, Bob? Very painful. Now, I've, I've separated two shoulders on different occasions. Not a problem. But dislocation's different. Because what dislocation does... I had, we had a guy, our drummer in our church. He had dislocated his shoulders so many times that, that it would pop out. And so one day we were doing this church service for the whole community and the 11 churches were... And he was trying to set up, and he was pulling this chain of this big garage door coming up so we could get the equipment in the hall. And he pulled his shoulder out, and it looked bad. And he's like, ah! And I said, Mark, what do we do? I, I'm, I'm going to call 918. He says, just a minute. And he runs towards the wall and goes, boom! And he goes, okay, it's back in. I'm like, ah! Just watching that, I needed three Tylenol. But... He knew how to pop it back in. His ligaments were so stretched. I mean, that's a man's man. Come on. It's just like, pop that darn thing back on. And he kept working, and he drummed that night. <laughs> yeah. Now, you can't do that the first time you dislocate it. And when the body parts are dislocated, there's a couple of things that happen. First of all, your normal functions are shut down. Okay. And I was also on the ice once and accidentally, <clears throat> it was just a body check. I actually fell on the guy and dislocated his knee. And the game's done at that point, all right? I mean, he can't skate. He's got to be carried off. This is my first community hockey game when I moved to Grimsby. I thought, I'm going to try to connect with the people out there. I'm going to go play hockey with them. Wham, I dislocated this guy's knee first game. They go, look what the priest did. <laughs> That's what they were saying as they carried the guy off. <laughs> Watch out for him. <laughs> so that didn't work out. Um, but when a body part is dislocated, you stop functioning and you're in a lot of pain. You need attention. And Paul talks about the ligaments that bring the parts of the body together. And... On its own, like if you were walking to church today, and there's an arm on the sidewalk, you can go, oh, that's cute. Look, look at the nails. I like the way the nails are. Yeah, it's really done nice. Pick it up and say, isn't that nice? I think I'll just hold that hand on my way to church. You find a body part that's disconnected. Ha ha! Something wrong happened, something terribly wrong, a criminal act. This is horrible. You know, Christ's body is so disconnected at times. The world looks at it and says, I don't want to go near that. It's a crime scene. They can't see Jesus until we connect, until we function together, until we're selfless enough. We've always got our own agenda and our own way of doing things. Oh, I love Jesus. It's just his people I don't like. I'm going to go start my own ministry. I'm going to start my own church. It'll just be me. That'll be great. I'll always have a parking spot. Yes. We'll have 100% attendance every week. We'll have some small group ministries. I can lead every one. It doesn't work. 
Nobody sees Jesus with that kind of ministry. And I think of people like Stephen Hawking, you know, brilliant mind, but awkward to look at and just, you know, he's passed on recently. And Johnny Erickson Tada, beautiful Christian, but has to paint with her mouth and she's had 40 years of being a quadriplegic because of a diving accident. Loves Jesus, got married, um, has made a life out of it, and is just an amazing mind, a beautiful spirit, and we admire that, but she can't function on her own. And is, is, Jesus is coming for a bride that's without spot or wrinkle. Not some Frankenstein monster of parts that are stitched together. Not some, not some, with all due respect, with anyone with any physical disability, but he's not coming back for a body for a bride that's disabled. Please don't anybody take offense. I'm just using this as a metaphor. His will is not that we should make do and, you know, with because the certain parts aren't willing to work and so others are always overcompensating for it. You can do that. A blind person can tune up their hearing. A deaf person can see things you and I can't see. And that's amazing, and that's a testimony, but that's not God's design. For his body, because all the parts are here on earth, and all the parts can function. And you have the choice whether or not the world will see Jesus, by whether or not you and I are willing first to gather, but then to function. Does that make sense? And look at this. It says, God has placed all things under his feet. I love this. You probably heard this before. It's Again, it's better than my opening one anyways. But uh, people say, how you doing? And the guy says, fine under the circumstances. And the first person says, what are you doing under them? Okay. So here's a clue. If God's going to place all things under the feet of Jesus' body, and you're part of the body, then those things are under you too. There's the victory, is when you're connected properly to Christ's body, we'll all share the victory, and we'll all conquer those things. But when we go off on our own, then those things aren't under our feet, especially if we're not afoot. We all have to be part of that victory, and that incomparably great power can't be manifest Unless the body's being the body. Some of you were touched by the Lord today at the altar. That would not have happened if you stayed home and listened to the podcast. Something happens when we gather. Now this was a point for later on in the message, but I'm going to hit it now because I feel it. Is that the anointing, the presence is in the overflow. And when we get together and we gather and we get filled up, we start flowing out to each other. And that's when the nutrients flow around to the body. And when people just all show up wanting to be filled up, that's like a sick, undernourished body saying, feed me. You can't just rely on the people in the prayer room every Sunday morning. What are you doing Sunday night? Sunday morning starts Saturday, I mean Saturday night. Sunday morning starts Saturday night. I learned that a long time ago. PVR that program, watch it Sunday afternoon. If it starts at 11, 
Get some sleep. Shut her down. Turn off the phone. And say, Jesus, I want to go to bed with you in my mind. I want to be refreshed. What do you want to do tomorrow? What do you want to say? Listen, it doesn't take long. It's just an attitude. It's a posture. When you come Sunday morning with people that have at least got themselves pointed in the right direction on Saturday night. Man, the difference. Remember last week I told you about being in a meeting once in my life when 700 pastors and leaders gathered. And, and it, was a, it was a leadership meeting from those uh, the, uh, people that were seen to be revival leaders. So the expectation was high. People had driven. They had planned it. They'd put aside their agenda. They'd come in there. And it was worship time before the speaker even spoke. And 700 were singing in tongues. And it was a tsunami of presence when I came in the back door after it started. It was a Niagara Falls of presence. No one could have walked into that room without saying something's happening. They might have said it's new age. They might have said it's the devil. They might have said it's, you know, the horoscope, the stars, whatever. But you knew there was power in that room. Because when the body is capable of amazing things, amazing things, amazing things. But how often do we function at that level? How often are we that fit? Spiritually. And I want you to know that when you, when you drag your blessed assurance in here on a Sunday morning because you're all... And you sit down and go, oh, I hope the worship's good today. I hope, hope Terry doesn't go on and on. I hope it's a good one because I need something. You know, sipping on the coffee. If that's how you come in and you haven't prepared your heart, God bless you, come on in. But don't do that every week. Don't think... That's okay to come to church like that as a habit. Hey, I'm a pastor. I've had fights with my wife on the way to church sometimes when I'm preaching. Not in a long time. But I know what it's like to walk in and feel like, I am not ready. This is not, I am not on. And everybody's, how you doing? Praise the Lord. You know? The corners of the mouth hooked up and try to smile. I, 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 I understand, Okay. I get that. We all have a day like that, and sometimes it's better not to tell anybody about it. Just don't ruin their day. But that's not how we live life on a regular basis. I've been so eager to be with you this morning. I started preparing for Sunday morning days and days ago. And last night, and we had to go out yesterday. We had a great day. And Friday night, I'm like, okay, Friday night, I need to do this because Saturday we got to do that. And then we're going to another place. We're going to be out of town. We're coming back. And by Saturday at this time, I want to be in bed having prayed. I just want the best, sweetest sleep because I want to hit that place fully charged up in the Holy Spirit. Now, when you have to preach, that's kind of like it's on you. But it's a great discipline to get into, thinking of Sunday the day before. You don't have to prepare like the person that's preaching, but you can prepare your heart. You'll get way more out of Sunday. I've been in some mediocre services where the worship is, what? And the preaching is, okay. And I come out blessed because my heart's ready. I determine I'm going to worship. If they put words up there on the screen that are glorifying Jesus, I'm going to glorify him with all my heart. I know how to worship 
when the worship ain't good. Remember I told you about that in Bangladesh sometimes? I'm the speaker, and the worship team is five sets of drums. Bongos, congos, this, that, the other, coming in from the villages. And five different guys doing their own thing. As soon as you try to sing, they're all just doing what they do. And it's just, it's a mess. But they're worshiping. I've had God's presence come on me in those moments. I don't know what they're singing. I don't know their language. I don't know if I'm on the right key. But I'm having his presence. Because my heart's into the worship. And we're the body and we're together and something happens. What I'm saying is, stop sitting there like you're the judge on, you know, Corona's Got Talent or something. You're not. You're part of it. And what happens for others, even if they don't see you lift your hands, what's going on in your heart is spiritually doing something to the atmosphere. Jesus couldn't do miracles in his hometown just because they sat there staring at him with unbelief in their hearts. And it shut down his gifts. Whoa, that's, do you know what that's saying? When you're in the audience, when you're in the, in the seats, when you're in the congregation, it's okay, it's on my notes. And you bring an attitude that's anything but let's go God. You are maybe making it harder for that person four rows away from you to get their healing. Ay, ay, ay. Like, I'm trying, I'm trying to tell you how important it is to understand how the body functions. But to come together with expectation. And, and listen, I want to tell you, that's the first thing I noticed about this church coming in on a Sunday, on my very first Sunday, coming in cold, so to speak, is that there is an expectation in worship. There is an excitement. There is, there is an experience amongst many of you that God can move. And then there's a desire and a hunger. And I love that. I, I couldn't put up with it if it was much different than that. So all things are under his feet. Yeah. Wow. Ephesians 2.10. So there's, there's a lot of verses in between here. We could exegete the whole chapter. But I want to go to Ephesians 2.10 and read that for you. We know 2.8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. I bet 30% of Christians got those two verses memorized or at least partly memorized. But the next verse I never hear. It's all him. He saved us. We can't boast. The next one, so we can go out and do good works. Oh, I write. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand for us to do. Now, in the original language, it actually says, that these works are, say this, a business and employment with which you are occupied or a product that you accomplish by hand or industry. So God has saved you so that together we're going to build something. We're going to accomplish something. The skill of the head is going to be put into us and we're going to build something that shows Jesus to the world. 
And when it says that we should walk in them, in one of the verse, uh, versions it says, he's prepared us for good works that we should walk in them. Literally, it says, we should be walking about. Okay, should be walking about. So here's what this verse is saying. God chose us and prepared us ahead of time to build something through us so that we can be walking about showing it off. Isn't that awesome? So what's he building here in our church? What's he building? I don't know yet, but I believe he wants us to get focused on that and have that expectation, and then we're going to see. Listen, we're waiting for a new pastor, right? I mean, you know that Terry won't be here that much longer, but we're waiting for a new pastor. I just uh, had a great experience up in, up in a town north of Toronto uh, a couple of days ago. I was up there ministering, and there's a church that I served at as a transition pastor five years ago. And they told me the story. And I was there for a year. And then they had another transition pastor. They were two and a bit years before they found their pastor. And it was a long, difficult situation. And I thought they were going to go under at one point. They had more debt than, you, than we have here. All of that. It looked like it was stacked against them. But I talked to a lady and she had a glow on her face. She said, you wouldn't believe how many visitors we have coming in now. She says, the new pastor's been here for a year and a half. The Holy Spirit spoke to everybody that he was the guy. And then, man, since that time, it just seems like a different time. And so here's the moral of the story. As soon as Terry leaves, things are going to get great. No, that was meant to be funny. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was lame. Okay. <laughs> but I'm saying, God's got the plan, but you've got to be ready for it. We're his body. Now, <clears throat> sometimes bodies aren't healthy. And sometimes bodies need, uh, need help. So let me, uh, let me talk to you something and, uh, here. Sometimes bodies attack themselves. Okay? Um, I have a brother-in-law who has had his heart transplanted. And for 15 years, his body's been attacking itself. Because the body, the immune system, thinks this other person's heart is a threat. Because it doesn't match. And so there's a constant game of how much drugs and which drugs, because what's, what's attacking what today, we have to give you this because they have to suppress his immune system to keep the heart uh, being received. But as soon as you suppress the immune system, then he's opened all sorts of things. So he's catching this, he's catching that. Now he's got cancer as well. And he's in his 60s. He's gone five years past what they thought. He's saying, I'm staying alive to see my first grandchild who's coming. He's got the most... Sorry. Yeah, he's got an incredible attitude. I never hear him complain. He's got muscular dystrophy, too. That's why he had to have the heart transplant. So he has to use his arms because his uh, uh, certain muscles in his legs have given out. He's only got his calf muscles in his arms to walk with. So he, he hobbles around, but he's, he's, he'll call to say what the Lord's told him that day. 
and say, we're praying for you. But here's the thing. He's beautiful, loves Jesus, but his body's attacking itself. And I'm telling you, may that never happen here. May we never talk about each other behind each other's backs. May we not compare ourselves and why is that person saying that? Let's believe the best about each other. Look, everybody's sitting here. You must love Jesus to get up and get out of bed and be here. Anybody that's serving in any ministry here, come on, let's cheer them on. Let's believe the best about any, any one of us. Let's not attack Jesus by attacking each other. You are hurting and hampering and hindering the head and what it's trying to do when you attack each other. Sometimes a body gets cancer. Now, let me, let me give you from a medical from a medical um, website. This isn't a preacher story here. It's a medical website. I just Googled this, and it says, differences between cancer cells and normal cells. Okay? Cancer cells differ from normal cells in many ways. One of the ways is that where normal cells mature into very distinct types with specific functions... Cancer cells won't do that. The cells of the body have a purpose and they mature into certain functions. Cancer cells refuse to do that. They refuse to take on certain functions. Number two, in addition, cancer cells are able to ignore signals that normally tell cells when they are to stop dividing and when they are to die. Because cells have to constantly reproduce that way. Um, sorry, this is awkward. Could I get a Kleenex or something here? Box of Kleenex and a bit of a drip here. Thirdly, cancer cells can influence normal cells to divert their energy to feed their own growth, which we call a tumor. Can I just take those three and apply them spiritually? First of all, they refuse to mature into any specific function. Number two, they refuse to die to themselves. They want what they want, and they won't die to their, themselves. Number three is they divert the energy that should be going into healthy function into their own selves from people around. Friends, I know some Christians that fit that description. And if I just looked at you, that was unintentional. <laughs> I don't have names in mind when I look at this family, but I do have a warning in my heart. People who refuse to mature, refer, refuse to function in the body, refuse to die to self, and they want what they want. And they're always like, serve me, serve me, I have a need. And they're, they're not giving their energy to someone else. The medical term for that is a cancer cell. Spiritually, it's certainly not a whole lot better. So it's not just that they're not producing, they're harming the body. They're harming the body. And what we need here, more than a new pastor, what we need here is people who are 
saying, I'll mature. I'll, I'll keep maturing to arrive at the place that I'm supposed to be functioning. I'm going to die to self. I have my own needs today, but right now I'm going to put that aside because somebody really needs what I got. And thirdly, I'm not always going to be a taker. I'm going to be a giver, not just a taker. And that is a healthy body. Now, I've seen some healthy bodies recently. I want to tell you a couple of good stories here. In Orangeville, Ontario. Anybody know where Orangeville is? Okay. It's a snow belt. Not like Corona down here in 10 degrees in December. They, I was up there. They got snow on the ground and ice in the roads. Um, a friend of mine who's actually on our board of our ministry headed up something. He's always connecting Christ's body parts. <laughs> this man. He's the biggest connector I've ever seen. He's retired, successful businessman. Should be spending the rest of his days in the Caribbean, but he wants to serve Jesus. And uh, he's a cancer survivor, and he's just keeps giving her. He found this guy, a crazy man, a former Muslim living somewhere like in Burlington, who's got this idea that we got freedom here. I come from a country where we're not allowed. You can tell anybody about Jesus. Why, why aren't we telling everybody about Jesus? So his goal is like to tell a million people of Jesus. So he's got these little packages, CDs, DVDs with stories and videos and whatever they are. And he produces them in the tens of thousands and then goes around and gets people to give them out. So my friend got a hold of this guy and they got this wild idea that we're going to, every home in the greater Orangeville area is going to hear the gospel. So they got six churches, 100 people, and four Wednesday nights. They packaged this stuff up. Somebody paid for it. It wasn't that much money. They packaged up 8,000 of these. And 100 people went out. They had it all mapped out, the postal codes and things. They went out and hit every home, every household. 8,000 households, 24,000 people in the area. Mono, I think it was Aaron, Orangeville. And it only took them four hours. By the time they finally came to it and did the distribution, 100 Christians, six churches, and they said the energy when these people got together, they were like, they all felt like we are making a difference. This is what we ought to be doing. And they said the body of Christ has made Jesus visible like never before. 24,000 people before Christmas have got a clear gospel presentation because the body started functioning. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, amen. It's not that hard when every joint is supplying something to the body. And that's, that was their biggest takeaway. It didn't take near as long as they thought. Interesting. So they had this, oh, a big job, but no, they got to it. Secondly, I want to tell you something else that's even closer to my home. And then we're going to have communion, okay? I think I told you that my ministry committed to helping 50 Rohingya refugee families. We found the Christians in the camp. So last week they went, and I've been on Skype. And just yesterday morning, my friend Skyped me from Dhaka, 
And they told me what happened because we've been praying up a storm for them because there was trouble, there was a strike in the shops, there was a mob that hit, came on them when they arrived and there was a church they first went to and then everybody was a Christian in the area, you know, like we were trying to find our brothers and sisters. So they worked it all through, went to three camps and they ended up sharing the gospel with hundreds of kids, 80 families they found that are following Jesus in those camps. And they made Christmas for them. But amongst them, they found 17 that were in a Bible school in the camp. Somebody got this crazy idea. He should train people and teach them and give them a Bible school education in the refugee camps. And so we have helped those 17 people who are training to evangelize. And they and this other group they're, they're, they're shepherding 2,000 Christians in the camps right now. Come on. If that was here, we'd say it's a big church. Okay? And I'm hoping to meet them in January. And my ministry is going to help disciple them. I had an idea. I heard that there was Christians. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Galatians 6.10, As you have opportunity, do good to all especially those who are of the household of faith. And I heard the Lord say something in my heart, and I said, I'm going to help my brothers and sisters because I can and they can't. And I need to supply them right now. And none of us had any idea how much the body of Christ was moving in the camps. And I'm sure that we were an answer to their prayers. And I don't need your money for that. I actually have too much money for that project. So much has come in. I just, Mitch helped me afterwards. I don't know, I have too much money, okay, for that project. I'm also providing Christmas for uh, 100 families that are associated with my own ministry. So I just know that God wants to do this. And I see the body being the body of Christ. Jesus became visible in the Rohingya camps this week because a few of my friends went there. And we supplied them. I sent thousands over, and they got it, and we had a plan, and they went into the camps, and Jesus did the rest. Man, what's possible? The, king, the kingdom is expanding everywhere. The body of Christ is moving. And I want those serving communion. Come on up. Get ready, please. Let's... Let's uh, start preparing as I'm talking. I thought it was going to be like, you know, tough on you this morning. Here I am just needing Kleenex. My, my biggest desire is to hear in a year or two the amazing thing that's happening in Corona. I'm believing God for that. And it starts today, okay? Worship team too, sure, please. The hope of the world is the church. The hope of the world is the church. Not Christians, but the church. Because when Christians gather and worship and function, then Christ is visible. Do you understand? He's just an invisible concept until the church gathers and functions.
The hope of the world is the church. Are you with me? How many, do you agree with that? If you agree, tell somebody. Tell somebody. Said, the hope, tell somebody. The hope of the world is the church. Okay, tell them that. Now, that's the first half. Here's the second half. Here's the gotcha. The hope of the church is repentance. Until we learn a lifestyle of repentance, we will continue to break down in our health. Sin will get in the body. Sickness will be in the body. Jesus had a word for seven churches in Revelation. John's on the Isle of Patmos. He's all alone, so he was in the Spirit in the Lord's day. He says, I can't go to church. I'll be the church all by myself. And he has a vision of Jesus talking to the churches. Five of the seven churches that Jesus visited, he said, repent. You're, man, if Ephesus, you're doing a lot of works. You're hanging on. You're persevering. You got good doctrine. But oh, you kind of lost your joy. You need to get back and do what you did at first. You need to get your joy back because that's me. That's my presence. He says, repent. He says that to a good church. Repentance isn't for bad people. Thank you so much for listening to our message. We hope that it blessed and encouraged you. If you liked what you heard, we would love for you to come join us on a Sunday morning here in Corona at 10 a.m. at 551 Murray Drive. If you'd like more information on who we are as a church and as a community, you can visit our website at parkway-church.com. about the two of those right together. One body, many parts. Verse 12, the body's a unit, though it's made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is by the Spirit with Christ, for we're all baptized by one Spirit into one body. And then Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread back here he took wine and he said this is now going to be a symbol forever of my body so I'm going to bless the elements and as a symbol of Christ's body we're going to distribute them as the worship team plays just hang on to them and then we're just going to take them together and we'll be done but as we're doing this I want you to do what Paul says examine your heart and say Lord where, where have I where have I not been supplying the body from what you've given to me? Where do you want me to maybe just brush up a little here, change a little there, stop this, start that? Just let the Lord speak into how you prepare for Sundays on Saturday night, how you talk about other people in our church, how you're loving your wife or your husband this week. Just let him talk to whatever area he wants to. And then it's a simple act of repentance that we'll go through together because Jesus says that's what the church needs to do. And then we're going to see the presence of God come in. Bodies will get healed this morning. 
depression's going to diminish. Uh, you're going to feel refreshed. There's going to be a real manifestation of the power of God after we do this because Jesus loves it when his church does this. So, Father, we just dedicate these emblems, these symbols, the representation with the wafer and the juice. It's your body, and as we partake, it reminds us that now your body's in us and we're in you. And So we commend these to you that they will be a means of grace when partaken by faith in Jesus' name. Go ahead and start distributing.